being here tonight, Lord, and as we uh, just worship you, God, we also want to come and bow down before you. You are a God, you are a king, and amazing, Lord, that grace you've given us every day. And so continue to give us grace, Lord, as we open your word right now. And I pray for your Holy Spirit to continue to move, to speak, Lord, to move upon us and renew us tonight. Refresh us, God, in your word. Thank you for this time of worship. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you can grab your Bibles, open to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, and we finally finished Luke chapter 9, and so we're crossing over to Luke 10 now, and we'll get going here in our study. You know, many years ago, a woman named uh, Omnik Onik had published her autobiography titled, From Venus I Came. In the book, she claimed she was born 250 years earlier in the city of Teutonia on Venus, on the planet Venus. And it was a time when the planet Venus sustained life. Well, Olnik, I should say, says that In 1955, she arrived on Earth and assumed the identity of a seven-year-old girl who had just died in a bus accident in Tennessee. Her mission was to come to the Earth and bring the message of peace and love as what she said, she is an alien ambassador. Well, I don't believe in aliens. (laughs) But I do believe that you and I are called to a mission. And that is to share the message of Jesus, which is to bring the peace of salvation to anyone who'd receive it. So as we return here to chapter 10 in in Luke, our study in Luke, Jesus now sends the disciples out to do just that. They are to be his ambassadors of the kingdom. And that's the title of our message tonight, Ambassadors of the Kingdom. We're going to be studying Luke chapter 10 from verse 1 through 16 tonight. And our outline is this, number one, the mission, number two, the message, and number three, the messengers. So, ambassadors of the kingdom, Luke 10, 1 through 16, the mission, the message, and the messengers. Let's begin here, number one now, the mission, the mission. And here we're going to be covering verses 1 through through four. So the mission here. Uh, Let's begin with uh, verse one. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. So we'll stop right there. Now we begin with these two words, after this. After what? Well, after everything that we saw in chapter 9, basically. After, like, the feeding of the 5,000 plus, after the transfiguration, after the casting out of demons of that boy, after last week where the, the, the three who came to Jesus or Jesus called to them, uh, they had those barriers to a total commitment. That was our title last week. So after all of that now, Jesus... Here we see in verse 1, the Lord appointed 72 others. So in addition to uh, 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 the mission trip that we saw at the beginning of chapter 9, well, Jesus appointed more to go out on this 
mission. Jesus appointed these 72 to, to go out ahead of him in preparation for his coming. So they went into the towns and cities and places that Jesus was heading toward, and they were out there going ahead. Now take note. Here in the ESV, in the translation I'm reading, it says 72. And those of you who maybe come from the King James or New King James background, maybe remember 70. Well, some other translations say 70. Uh, some say 72. Most of the modern translations say 72. And it's because, well, what I was reading, both ancient, um, there's ancient uh, manuscripts that, that give a reason for both. They're pretty equal. But a lot of the modern translations like ESV uh, see that in some of the oldest Greek manuscripts, there the word it's it's seventy-two. So that's why it's brought in that way, and it's translated to go with seventy-two. So we see here Jesus sends seventy-two disciples ahead of his arrival as he made his way to Jerusalem. Remember, he's he's on that journey now. He's heading toward Jerusalem, and so now they're traveling that way. Well, he sends the seventy-two disciples out. To go before him and bring the message of Jesus before he comes to that town. Now, this is different from what we saw in chapter 9. Uh, back then, Jesus in chapter 9 had 12 disciples go out. Here is 72. And by the way, at this time, in Luke chapter 10 and what we see, there's like 500 followers following Jesus at this time. So in chapter 9, Jesus sent 12 to the north, basically. Here, Jesus is sending them to the south, southern area of Israel as he's heading toward Jerusalem, right? He's heading to the cross. He's going to fulfill that mission to die on a cross, and then he's going to rise again. But this is, this is that last push, the last journey they're going to Jerusalem. Now, in chapter 9, Jesus sent the 12 out, six teams of two. They went out two by two. Well, we see here also in Luke chapter 10, that the 72 others, he sent them on ahead two by two. Now, every town and every place that he himself was to go. So here, there's 36 teams of two going out. Now, just like uh, the 12 who were sent, Jesus anointed these guys, the 72, with power, with the Holy Spirit to heal, to cast down uh, demons in Jesus' name. And we're going to see that next time when we go on into verse 17. But in our section tonight, we're, um, that's actually what we've seen, that, that he's sending these guys out. Now, I'm sure, I'm, I'm guessing here, but it seems like the original 12 who went in chapter 9 were also part of this group here. Maybe even leading, maybe even overseeing. It, 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 it could be that, possibly. So we go on to verse 2 now, and look at verse 2. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. So Jesus commissions them. Jesus basically says that, Hey, you guys, the harvest is is plentiful. The harvest means the, the gathering of new believers, bringing them into the kingdom of God. And he's saying it's plentiful. The, in other words, many are ready to hear and receive the salvation of God in Jesus Christ. And, and, and that's what he's saying. So this is the mission. 
to bring people into the kingdom of God. That's the mission here. What we're seeing in verse 2 is really when Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, he's saying, look, this, this is the mission now. Here's the mission to bring people into the kingdom of God. Now, after his death and resurrection, we know Jesus commissioned the disciples in Matthew 28, 19, saying, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So we know that commission. That's a great commission, we call that, in our studies in the Gospels. We know that that's what Jesus gave the disciples, and that's what Jesus gave us as believers, as a church, to, to go out, to make disciples, to bring more people into the kingdom of God. And we have that same mission today. You know, I was, I was just thinking how uh, sometimes we, we can get purpose, purposeless, you know, in our lives. Or what's, what's, what's my purpose? What, why, what am I doing here? Well, I'll tell you, it's exactly what these guys are doing. The mission is to bring people into the kingdom of God because the harvest is plentiful. There's many out there who are, are wanting Jesus, who are ready to receive. Maybe they don't even understand or know, but we have this news of salvation that we can bring to them that they could be saved, that their sins be forgiven, have, have heaven by just believing in Jesus because of His atonement. So we actually all have a purpose in our life as believers right now. We have a purpose to bring people into the kingdom of God. And, and so we serve God, whether you lead worship or you serve in a church. That's all part of bringing people into the kingdom of God. Uh, 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 maybe uh, uh, being a, a mother and, and raising your kids. That, that's a mission. That's part of the mission, to bring your kids into the kingdom of God. Uh, perhaps God has, you're at your place of employment. He has you there to be that light, to bring people into the kingdom of God. Because I believe many times God will place them maybe in a company or a workplace because there's someone there that God is working on and He wants to bring into the kingdom of God. And so understand, we all have a purpose. And just as Jesus gave these 72 this purpose, the mission here, so we have it also. Now, as we go on in this first section, there, there are four things that Jesus wants them to do with this mission. And the first thing is, number one, be in prayer. Be in prayer. Look at verse 2 again. He said, The harvest is plentiful, but the labor is few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So the, the first thing he's saying is, be in prayer. Be in prayer. Jesus is basically saying, you know, cover the mission in prayer. And, 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 and be, you know, keep lifting what you're doing up in prayer. Now, even with 72 going out, Jesus presents that there's a, there's a problem. The problem is the labors are few. There's a need for more to go out and share Jesus. That's what he's saying. There's a need for more because the needs are great out there. So Jesus is basically, the idea here is this. Jesus is basically saying, pray that people will follow Jesus so that God can even raise up more laborers for the harvest. That's, that's really the idea. Pray for more labors, not only believers to jump in, but you know what? When you go out, be in prayer. Because as people come to follow me, Jesus is saying, then they become laborers also to bring in this harvest of souls. 
Warren Wiersbe wrote, Please note that it is laborers, not spectators, who pray for more laborers. I like that. Yeah, because many times we feel like, oh, okay, uh, I'll be the prayer person, you know. And if God's calling you, you, you feel like, ah, oh, just I'll just be the prayer person. But, but we're actually not just a prayer person. We're a laborer too. So Jesus is telling these 72 are going out, be in prayer. Number one, be in prayer. Number two, be vigilant. Be vigilant. Look at verse 3. He says, Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. So he's saying, when you go out, when you go away, I'm sending you to these different cities ahead of me and all. Jesus warns them that, you know, opposition will come. The harvest is great, but there is also opposition to the gospel. So he's saying, you know, go out. I'm sending you out as lambs. In other words, he's saying, be humble. Be willing to suffer for the sake of bringing people into the kingdom. Remember, um, these guys wanted the political Messiah, but Jesus kept telling them, hey, uh, I'm the suffering Messiah here. My first coming was to die. I'm the lamb that was offered, right, for sin. And so he's saying to them too, be humble, be a lamb here. Be humble, willing to suffer for the sake of bringing people into the kingdom of God. Because, you know, you're going to be in the midst of wolves. There, there are people out there who will persecute you and they want to eat you up. So be vigilant here. Be aware. Be ready that these things are going to come upon you. So don't let that deter you at all. You know, when uh, Lena and Naoko were here from their mission in Miyako, yeah, um, I just got an email from him today. But when they were here, we were talking story about the oppression that, that we can feel, you know, from the enemy. Because Satan wants to stop the work. Stop the work they're doing in, in Okinawa. Stop the work here, upcountry. And, and so we all face similar attacks. Maybe you've been feeling it lately. The enemy doesn't want this life-saving message to go out. So he attacks you and I. So he, he tries to discourage you or distract you. We're going to talk about that in a moment. He, he's trying to bring confusion and get you off on what you should be really doing. So be aware of that. Be aware of those things that will, that will, be, hap- will be happening. So be, be vigilant. Be on watch. Don't relax. Be ready. Yeah? But be like a lamb. Be willing to suffer for the sake of bringing people into the kingdom. So, number one, be in prayer, Jesus tells them. Number two, be vigilant. And number three now, in verse four, the first part, he says, be dependent. Be dependent. Now, in verse four, he's instructing them, and he said, carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet, well, we'll get get the end of verse four in the next one. So, no money bag, no knapsack, and no sandals. So, Jesus instructs him, and this is like what he did in chapter 9 with the 12 when he sent them out. He instructs them to take nothing with them. No money bag. Like, don't put any money in your wallet. No worries about that. No knapsack. No, like, backpack, you know, with extra clothes or suitcase like that. No sandals. Don't even bring in an extra pair of shoes here at all. They are basically to travel light and depend totally on on the Lord for their provision. That's the idea. 
It's a dependence on God on this mission that he's sending them out. Notice what he says in verse 4. I, I, uh, um, um, I'm sorry, verse 3. He said, go your way, behold, I am sending you. I like that. It's the Lord who's sending them. Yeah, they're not just going out on their own. And so Jesus is, is basically saying, no worries, I'm sending you. So you know what? I'm going to provide for you. Be dependent on me. Be dependent on me. We know, right, wherever God guides, God provides. And that's the trust that Jesus wants them to have on him. And you and I also. Where God calls you, where God sends you, you know, God will provide. Know that. Don't be so worried about those provisions. You know, be wise about it. Follow the Holy Spirit in that. But don't let that be a distraction or even stop you from fulfilling your mission before the Lord. So number one, Jesus tells them to be in prayer as they go out in the harvest. Number two, be vigilant. Number three, be dependent. And number four, be focused. Be focused. Now look at verse four at the end. He says, and greet no one on the road. Jesus says, don't, don't say hi to anyone. Don't greet no one while you're traveling. Now that sounds strange. Sounds like, wait, wait, isn't that what they're supposed to do? <laughs> Aren't they supposed to talk to people, share the gospel, you know, bring in the harvest, all of that? Well, what Jesus was really talking about is in the Jewish culture back then, to greet, quote-unquote, really, uh, it's really to sit and stop and talk story for a long time. It, 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 even going and sit down, you know, and having a meal with that person. So there's nothing wrong with that as long as you are keeping with the mission. In other words, Jesus is, look, when you go out, don't greet. In other words, don't make it a social call here. When you're going from town to town, maybe you see people, you know, maybe you have family. To, don't make it some social call. That's not what it's about. What Jesus is instructing is don't be distracted from the mission. Do not be distracted from the mission. And if there's things out there that can divert us, right, from what we should be doing. There's so many things out there that can pull our attention away. Even problems can do that. Be careful not to be distracted from the mission. Be focused. I read about a United Air flight from Chicago to Germany was diverted and had to make an unscheduled stop in Canada. What happened was that the pilot spilled coffee on the communications equipment, causing the plane to send out this emergency call that, sa that said that they were being hijacked at the time. When it was all sorted out, the plane landed in Toronto, Canada. 241 passengers were then flown back to Chicago, and the next day they had to get on another plane and go, go to their destination in Germany. I was thinking about this. Sometimes there's issues and things, spilled coffee, things that can distract us and easily divert us from what God wants us to do. We have to be careful. Tonight we're being reminded of this very thing, of this mission we have, of why we're here and I'll, I'll tell you, I feel like in this time of the pandemic and all these challenges we're facing and all the talk that's going on, we can be like distracted in these things and forget why we're here. Even in the midst of our situation, you know what? 
God wants us to be a light. God wants us to be in prayer, to be vigilant. God wants us to to be dependent upon Him and be focused that even in whatever situation maybe you're, you're in, we are still here to do the same thing within that situation. So even with our masking or social distancing or the changes at work and all of that, we can still be a light, you know. And we got to be careful that we don't make those things the issue and not Jesus Christ. That's what's important. William Booth, the founder of Salvation Army, wrote, Some men's passion is for gold. Some men's passion is for art. Some men's passion is for fame. My passion is for souls. I love that. Yeah. Oh, I'm just being reminded, even myself here, as we're going through Luke chapter 10, that this is what, what it's about, you guys. Our effort, everything we do, yeah? It's for souls. I mean, if you're a believer today, if you're online, you know, you're a believer, you know, our souls say we're, we're going to heaven. We have Jesus, right? We believe in Jesus. And so what, what do we do? Oh, we should have a passion that people will come to know Jesus, but we know, as you know, we've been studying in Revelation, the end is coming. So that's our mission too, for souls. And this is what Jesus is really saying to them, that you guys are ambassadors of the kingdom. This is your mission. Have a passion for these souls. Well, let's go to number two now, the message. The message. We've seen the mission now. Number two in our outline is the message. And here we're going to cover a big chunk of our section tonight, and that's verse 5 through 15. So if you're taking notes, uh, that's what we're covering. But first of all, take a look at verse 5. So Jesus goes on, he says in verse 5, Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. So Jesus is instructing. So when you go to town and and back then, people were very welcoming and hospitable. He's saying, when you go in, into the house, say, peace. Peace be to this house. Now, what is he saying? He's saying, in other words, present the gospel of peace. Share that good news of salvation. Jesus, really, this is a Jewish thing, right? When you come in, you, you, you say, shalom. That's what a Jewish Guys would greet each other when you go into their home. And shalom means peace. So Jesus is saying, hey, share the shalom of God. When you say shalom, you're, it's really an, a, a way for you to then go into sh- sharing the peace of God that comes through the salvation of what Jesus is talking about, the salvation of God. This is the message. Peace in the salvation of Jesus. And so it's, it's like a play on words. Yeah? You can, uh, as a Jewish person, you, you go to your house and you say, Shalom, peace be on you. Well, here on the, me- on the mission, the message is this gospel, this, this good news that Jesus has brought peace between God and people, that Jesus is that bridge. So when you go to your host and you say, Shalom, then start to share the real shalom that you find in Jesus. So it's kind of like, oh, shalom, brother. Let me tell you how to have real shalom, not just a greeting. But we can have peace, shalom, with God through Jesus. So that's the idea. That's the message here. Peace 
is found in the salvation of Jesus. Now, there's three things Jesus wants them to do with this message of peace. And that's what we see as we go on. Number one, share to help, but move on when it doesn't. Verse 6, verse 6. He says, and if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. So if a son of peace is there, in other words, he's saying it speaks of a person who receives this message of salvation in Jesus. They receive that peace. They become a follower of Jesus. So that peace is there. That's what he's saying. But if they don't receive it, it will return back to you. If they don't receive that message, it will return to you. I mean, it's okay, he's saying. It's all right. Just take that peace and move on. It's okay. Have peace in that. Jesus is saying, look, your job and duty is to share the peace of Jesus. And if they receive it, great. If they don't, you'll have peace. Either way, you did your job. You did your duty. Jay Conrad said, there is no rest for a messenger till the message is delivered. That's, that, that's what you're to do. And whether it's received or not, you know, have peace. Even if, 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 if you, they didn't receive it, that's okay. You let it go. You go on. So share to help, but move on when it doesn't. So that's what Jesus wants them to do. Number two is share with no intention of personal gain. Look at verse uh, 7 through 9 here. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for their labor deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. In verse 9, heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. So with, with the people who do receive you, he's saying, you know what? Stay in that house. Stay in the same house. Don't go around from house to house, right? Um, looking for maybe what might be better. Eat and drink whatever they provide for you. Be content in whatever is offered to you. And he says, because see, God knows the labor deserves his wages. In other words, God will provide through the giving of others. That's how it works, Jesus is saying. That's how it works. So whatever is given to you, that's God providing for you. Whatever place you're staying, that's the Lord. Whatever's set before you, just eat that. Don't make it about the food. Don't make it, well, I, I, don't, I don't like the food at this house. Or I, oh, that other house is more comfortable. It's not about your own personal gain. It's about the mission. And you're there for what? To, he says to heal the sick, right? To help people. And to tell them, hey, the kingdom of God has come to you today. Jesus has come to help you today. So don't taint the message Keep the main thing the main thing. Share with no intention of personal gain. I remember um, one time I offered this um, cottage for a musician who was coming to the island here to stay on Maui, and they're going to play at church here and, and share here. And, uh, and I didn't hear from this person. The next thing I found out was he was staying somewhere else. And it, it, I got this feeling, it was like, well, I found better accommodations, you know. I was like, oh, okay. And a funny thing, on the phone I found this out, he's like asking for more things, you know. Oh, well, can you do this? Can you do that? And I'm sorry, but I got tainted, quote, unquote. After that, I'm thinking, oh, I don't know why he's here. Is it really about sharing Jesus? Or is it about, oh, having a nice vacation here on Maui, yeah? <laughs> you know, right? 
So I, I kind of got this weird feeling. So that's what Jesus is saying. Hey, when you go, it's about this mission, right? Share with no intention of personal gain. It's about bringing this message and say, hey, God is here. God is here. Let it be about that. So share to help, but move on when it doesn't. Share with no intention of personal gain. And number three, share without shame the full truth of God. Look here in verse 10 and 11. He says, But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come here. So if there's this town, this place where everyone rejects you and they don't want anything uh, you know, to do with Jesus and, and his message and all of this, you know what? He says, go into the streets and basically, you know, declare this. Shake the dust off, off our feet. You know, we wipe it off against you and, and go on. In other words, if you reject Jesus, then the truth is, you know what? God is going to reject you. You see, they would understand this because this is a Jewish custom that these Jews would do. And we talked about this uh, back in uh, Luke 9 when the 12 went out. A similar thing, right? It was a Jewish custom when they leave a Gentile town, they would shake the dust off their feet. It's symbolic to, well, we don't want any of the Gentile sin and, you know, Gentileness be stuck to us as we head home again. So it, it was a symbol of rejecting their sinful way. So Jesus is instructing them, hey, you know, when you leave, just as a symbol, declare this, that, hey, we're going to, well, well, you reject God? God's going to reject you. But I like what he adds here at the end of verse 11. Nevertheless, say, tell them this, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. Now you can see them in two ways. One is, you know, like God is come here. Don't, don't reject him. But I kind of see it also in this way, that nevertheless, even if you reject, know that God has come near, that you can repent. That God still wants you and, and wants to help you in that way. So even if the town refused Jesus, it didn't change that the kingdom of God was here in the message of Jesus wanting to bring peace to them. Second Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish but that all should reach repentance. That's God's heart. We know that, right? It's God's heart that you would come to the Lord. It's God's heart that you would not reject Him. And even if you reject Him, His still, His heart is that you would not perish. And that's what we need to see here. That even though they were truthful, they are upfront, that look, if you reject Jesus, God's going to reject you. God still wants you nevertheless he is near well jesus goes on to share this truth of consequences to rejecting him look at verse 12 it says i tell you it will be more bearable on that day for sodom than for that town then he says woe to you 
Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable or bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And for you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades. So here from verse 12 to 15, Jesus really is bringing out the consequences to certain cities that had and have been rejecting Jesus already. Now he brings up in verse 12, I'll tell you, it's more bearable uh, for Sodom and uh, Gomorrah, right? And we know, uh, or Sodom, basically, more bearable on that day for Sodom, uh, connect with Sodom and and Gomorrah. Uh, Bearable meaning they're better off, right, than those cities who rejected Jesus, who is actually there. The kingdom of God is near, who's actually there, right there, walking in their town. Remember Sodom and Gomorrah, they were judged with brimstone and fire in Genesis 19. Well, you know, these, these, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, which was wiped out in judgment, they're better off than you guys. Why? Because Jesus is right there. Jesus is right there in their midst. And so he brings up, like in verse 13, woe to you, woe is like, sad and grief and 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 it, it, it's a feeling like judgment uh chorazin Chor, chorazin uh or or bethsaida they're cities in the northern area of israel which saw jesus which heard jesus teach heal where jesus did mighty works that were done in in them in these cities. And Jesus said, look, if these works, these miracles, me being there, if they had been done in Tyre and Sidon, which are uh, Old Testament cities, that Phoenician cities that were judged by God, he said, you know what? These guys would have been in sackcloth and ashes. They'd be repenting right now. That, that's what he's saying here. You know, Jesus spent a lot of time in the northern area in these cities. And so they have no excuse. And, and this is the consequences of rejecting him. And then he brings up here in uh, Capernaum, in verse 15, uh, And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? Do you remember Capernaum is right there on the North Shore of Galilee? Uh, Peter's house is there. Yeah. There's a synagogue there I talked about, the ruins there. When we went to Israel, we, we did a little study in there. Well, Capernaum was like home base for his ministry for Jesus. So if there's any city, it's this city that Jesus spent a lot of time in and probably taught in that synagogue. You know, he stayed, this was like a headquarters for Jesus's ministry. And so Jesus is saying, what, Capernaum, you, you, you think you're going to have a, a, a place in heaven because I spent most of my time over there? No, if you reject me, you're, you're going to be sent to Hades. That's what that's what he's saying. Jesus even prophesied in Matthew, I believe, where that um, this city will be no more. Like it, it, it's not going to have, uh, it's not going to be a town or a place. And you know, you go to Israel today, there is no city. There isn't. There's cities and towns and other places, but Capernaum, out of all the cities, nothing is there. And it's because Capernaum was even judged for rejecting Jesus. This is the hard truth of rejecting Jesus. This is what 
the disciples must share. Share without shame the full truth of God. You know, on Sunday we're in the book of Revelation, right? And and we're going through, you guys know, the four horsemen of apocalypse, right? We did two horses. We're going to do another one on Sunday. And um, um, I, I pray you guys can join in and, and get into that study. But it's not the easiest thing to teach, <laughs> you know, especially like the last one about warring violence, you know. We're going to be looking on a widespread famine and then, and then death, a uh, worldwide famine and widespread death even with the fourth horse and it's the judgment of God falling upon this world in the in the end times during the tribulation and I'll tell you it's not the easiest thing to teach yeah oh yeah let's come to church what are we going to learn the judgment of God you know kind of thing right it, it's not the easy but but it I can't skip it yeah it's, it's in the Word. It's part of the Word. I'm, I'm not going to skip it and say, oh, well, I don't like this part. Oh, you know what? I don't like this other seal, too. And this, Well, we're going to skip the trumpets and the bowls. And, you know, uh, let's just skip to chapter 19 when Jesus returns, you know, and takes over everything. Yeah. yeah. No, it, it, it's not easy. But I want to give the whole counsel of God, right? It's part of the message. But at the same time, God gives us the reality of the truth, right? If we don't receive it, there's consequences to that. And in that reality, God is also trying to reach us. God is also trying to get our attention to wake us up. God, in his, this act of love, really, is being serious and saying, look, these things got to happen. Consequences for sin got to happen, but... But, you know, you can be saved from that. You can be forgiven. You can have peace. And, and, and that, that's what I see here. So I, even with all of this, even with Jesus saying, look, you, you, you got to share. Yeah. But, uh, but you know what? There's hope. There's hope in me. And, and even if we got to speak of the judgment in the end times, we can speak the truth in love like Paul said in Ephesians 4, that there's hope in Jesus. And for anyone here, or, or those of you guys online, anyone who's connected, you know, there's hope in Jesus. If you're hearing these things, and maybe you have been struggling with your sin, and maybe you feel so guilty, you, you, you feel like, oh, I don't know if God would receive me. I, I, I'm not worthy. Yeah, we're, we're not worthy. Maybe, maybe you're so distraught and uh, just feeling the guilt of sin pressing down on you and being condemned, you know. That's why Jesus died, to forgive us, to pay the price of our sin so we can be forgiven and cleansed and made new and that we can have a relationship with God and, and this sin, the wrong that you've done, doesn't have to keep you from God. Doesn't have to weigh you down like that no more. And so tonight, give him your heart. Go to Jesus and find forgiveness at the cross. And then, you know, with that, we can all become followers of Jesus and be one of the ambassadors of the kingdom. Well, let's go to number three, our last heading. 
the messenger, the messenger. In our last verse, we're going to cover here, verse 16. We've seen the mission, the message, and now the messenger. Verse 16, our last verse tonight, it reads, The one who hears you hears me, and the one who rejects you rejects me, and the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. So Jesus finishes up here. His last thing he says is he's sending them out. And basically, he's saying, you, you, you're, as you go out, you're representing me. That's what Jesus is saying. What you uh, say is like what I'm saying. Being there is like I'm, I'm being there as you go into each town. So if they hear you, they're going to hear me. If they reject you, they're rejecting me, Jesus is saying. And if they reject me, you know what that means? They're rejecting the Father. You're the messenger. You're the ambassador for the kingdom. We are the messenger. We're not the message maker, right? That's God. We're just bringing this message. We're carrying this message, right? Like, like a, a, a post postal worker, right? We're, we're bringing this message, this letter from God. We're that ambassador representing Jesus. I was thinking about uh, back in the cowboy days, a saloon in Colorado had a sign that said, don't shoot the piano player, he's doing his best. <laughs> I was thinking, can you imagine? He made a mistake. <laughs> you know, he's, he's there. But, but we're not like that. We're, we're not making the, the music. We're not creating that. Yeah. It's, it's more like, you, you probably heard the phrase, don't shoot the messenger. Right? I read it originated actually in ancient Greece. Um, there was a line of, uh, of Sophocles dramas that said, no one loves the messenger who brings bad news. Yeah? They want to shoot them. But he's, don't shoot the messenger. The, the idea is we don't make the message. We're not the one who created this. We're, we're not the one. It, it, it's God who has given it to us. And we're handing that out. We're announcing what God is saying. We're, we're bringing what God wants us to bring. And so we are the messengers of Jesus. We're the ambassadors. So last point is this. It's not your message, but God's truth. And you are just an ambassador of that truth. So we got to remember that. You know, because I think sometimes... I, I mean, I, I can take it personally, like, oh, man, you know, they didn't listen or they rejected me. But it isn't so much me. It's the message, right? Um, oh, man. Or then sometimes they receive the message and you start feeling like, oh, yeah, look, look what I did. But it's not you. It's the message, right? It's what God has done. It's what Jesus has done. A.S. Wood said, evangelism is not a human enterprise. It is a divine operation. That's what it is. You bring in a message, they receive it, Who praise the Lord. Yeah. If not, that's okay. It's between them and the Lord at that point. So let your message, what you bring, be God's message. Let it rightly reflect God, speaking the truth with love, with mercy. You know, it's, it's, and, and, and don't get that mixed up. Sometimes I think we put ourselves too much in it. And sometimes maybe we could be too hard on someone. And, and I want to just close with this. There's an old story about a barber. And he had just taken a class on witnessing. And he was excited to reach people for the gospel. 
Well, he was working, and while he was working, the barber lathered up a customer for a shave, and he thought, well, this is perfect. Here's a guy in a chair, and I could just share Jesus with them, and you know, he can't go anywhere. I'm, 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 I'm you know, doing this service for him right now. He's going to give him a shave. So he thought, well, this would be a good time to begin to share about Jesus. So he ra- with his razor raised to give the man a shave, the barber said, are you prepared to meet your maker? <laughs> well, the man jumped out of his chair and ran out of the barber shop. <laughs> well, we have to remember <laughs> Those things too. But let's learn today to go out on this mission with the message as messengers. Let us be reminded today that that's why we're here. We are ambassadors of the kingdom. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word, God, and thank you for speaking to us and reminding us, stirring us up, Lord, for our purpose here on this earth. God, you could take us home at any time to be with you in heaven, but you have a purpose, God. You have a reason why we are are here today, Lord, to serve you, to live for you, to glorify you, to, to be used as a tool, Lord, for those around us, our family, Lord, our spouse, our our, our, our co-workers and uh, the, the people we run with, our neighbors and friends. God, you have us here for a purpose. And Lord, we are cit- citizens of heaven. We belong there, God. We belong to the kingdom. And here on earth, Lord, we are ambassadors for your kingdom. And so, God, as you remind us, Lord, let us be in prayer about this. Let us wake up every day and, and, and pray, God, if you have a person for us to share with, someone that I could pray with, someone that I could share the peace that you bring. Lord, help us to do that and look for those opportunities every day, God, and help us to be certainly those ambassadors. God, we may feel inadequate, We may feel like, oh, I can't do this. But with you, God, you provide. You you empowered these guys, Lord, and you provided for them. So help us, God, to see that and step out in faith. But, Lord, let us have that passion for souls. Stir us up now, God, because you've done such a great thing in our own lives. Why do we hold it? in. You have freed us, Lord. You have saved us, God. The creator of the universe, Lord, we have a relationship with you. And so, God, we come to you, Lord, asking, Lord, for help here. Stir us up, Lord. Put a passion in our heart, Lord, that we may do great things for a great God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's